Let's do a little science. Apparently the New Horizons spacecraft is now getting a look at those bright spots on the surface of Ceres. And we plan in the weeks to come to speak with Planetary Society expert Emily Lakdawalla about what this all means. Our guest says they're going to need a week or two just to make a wild-ass guess as to what's going on there. Although it's pretty obvious that there's some fresh ice on the surface and that's why it's so bright. The UFO crowd seems to be pinning their hopes on some sort of alien base on Ceres, which is, well, let's just say, not likely. Although we will have to see whether some drunk hillbilly from Arkansas comes back with a report. But uh, I do have a science item to report on today that is a bit of a barn burner. It was understood when I studied biology several decades back that the cells which compose you and I and higher animals, that of the eukaryotes, and when you think of a eukaryote, Think of an egg. An egg is a giant cell. And like other cells, it has cytoplasm. Think of the egg white. And it has a nucleus. Think of the yolk. The genetic material, for the most part, hides inside the nucleus, from which point it directs the cellular machinery, mainly out in the cytoplasm. But if you are a plant, and we trust that none of you are, you have little structures called organelles, which include chloroplasts. These are the little disks of green inside of uh, plants, wherein photosynthesis takes place. And in both plants and animals, and we presume, dear listener, that you are an animal, you will find mitochondria, special little structures in the cell that burn energy. Both these little powerhouses of the cell, the mitochondria and the chloroplasts, actually have their own genetic material. You've probably read how mitochondrial DNA can be traced through human eggs to learn something about one's pattern of inheritance. When it comes to genetic material, the DNA you got from your dad came in a sperm cell, and that's it. But the DNA you got from your mom comes not just from what was in the cell nucleus of the egg that later became you, but also from the mitochondria in that egg, which was the powerhouse that kept it alive. And for decades, it's been assumed that you and I and all the other eukaryotic organisms out there are all descended from some organism way back when that engulfed another living thing and decided not to digest it, but instead keep it inside itself to mutually profit from the living arrangement. This idea made perfect sense, but was very imperfectly understood, evidently, up until now. Scientists now think they know which cell types did the eating and which cell types got eaten. And when you look into this, dear listener, you uncover a whole new world of biology quite unlike that which you were probably taught back in high school. To digress briefly into that, we would note that 100 years ago, scientists and the lay public divided life into animal versus vegetable. This was a pretty crappy way of looking at things. Because where do you put these very simple organisms we think of as bacteria? And can you consider fungi a plant? It turns out, in fact, you cannot. And what about single-celled organisms found all over the world? Some were considered one-celled animals, some were considered one-celled plants because they had chloroplasts. Well, as scientists start examining the genetic material in various living things, some surprises arose. 
In fact, in the 1970s, the whole field of biology got turned on its head by the discovery that some microorganisms assumed to be bacteria were in fact something else. Studies of organisms that in some but not all cases were found in extreme environments, such as those hot pools in, in uh, Yellowstone, or near those smoker vents in the deep sea, or environments with ridiculously high amounts of salt, it was suspected then and still thought now that the, these may be the oldest forms of life on Earth, but they're not bacteria. To quote from the Wikipedia entry on what are now described as archaea, we have this. Archaea were initially classified as bacteria, receiving the name archaeobacteria. But this classification is outdated. Archaeal cells have unique properties separating them from the two other domains of life, bacteria and eukaryota. The archaea are further divided into four recognized phyla, but classification is difficult because the majority have not been studied in the lab and have only been detected by analysis of their nucleic acids in samples from the environment. So it turns out, these simple little one-celled bugs that look for all the world like bacteria to the naked eye, when dissected apart biochemically and their genetic material is examined, guess what? They're closer to us than bacteria. And the family relationship has been cemented even further by this new study, which I'm finally getting to. To quote from The Economist, from humanity's point of view, one of the most important events in history was the evolution of the eukaryotic cell the sort from which people's bodies are made. Without this innovation, which happened about 2 billion years ago, life on Earth would consist only of bacteria and a group of similar, and a group of similar simple creatures called archaea. Plants and animals, not to mention algae, fungi, and a myriad other single-celled organisms like amoeba, would never have come into existence. Even today, bacteria and archaea are probably more important than eukaryotes to the smooth running of the biosphere. They note biologists generally agree that the first eukaryote arose when an archaeon swallowed a bacterium and instead of digesting it formed a symbiotic partnership with it. The swallowed bacterium came from a group called alpha proteobacteria. Its descendants, known as mitochondria, inhabit eukaryotic cells to this day. That mitochondria hail from alpha proteobacteria is known because they retain genes of their own, independent of the cell nucleus, and these genes are clearly related to those of alpha proteobacteria. Note in the magazine, what remains unknown, or did until this week, is the nature of the archaeon that did the swallowing. But a paper in Nature by Thigis Atima of Uppsala University in Sweden and his colleagues has gone a long way to clearing up the mystery. After delving into the genetics of some archaea organisms found near an underwater volcano near the island of Svalbard, the researchers got a surprise. The genetic relatedness suggested that this group is related to us, the eukaryotes. These organisms, called loci archaeota, are intriguing creatures. They have proteins that are not found in other archaea, but which are present in eukaryotes like us. These include actin, a component of muscle protein. This, ladies and gentlemen, is a pretty amazing finding. And for me, the most amazing thing is the biology review, which has educated me to the fact that you got to quit thinking about prokaryotes, meaning all types of bacteria and eukaryotes. In fact, the world consists of us, the eukaryotes, the world of bacteria, and archaea. These organisms, by the way, are inside of you and I and animals we're familiar with because it turns out that any organism that generates methane 
It's not a bacteria. It, in fact, is an archaea. And we'll have more to report on this when this correspondent does some studying and learns what biologists are uncovering. Imagine we now realize there's a third form of life here on Earth, which we were pretty much unaware of a generation or two ago. Amazing. Uh, Doug, we have Governor Brown on line one. Really? Governor? Is this Ben Adler? No, this is KDVS, Radio Parallax. It's those Davis punks again. You know, Radio Parallax, some people need to shut up more often, and this includes you. Well, nice to speak to you too, Governor. Look, I'm tired of your peeing and moaning about my tunnel plans. I've had my people spend a million hours on this. Can you say that? I, I don't need any hours to figure out that you won't fix the Delta by sucking more water out of it upstream. At least you're no longer claiming it's about restoration. I appreciate that. Look, the state water project was a boon, and I'm going to continue the booning. The booning? You bet. You naysayers harp on almonds. So what if it takes a gallon per nut? Well, why are you not at least asking for a moratorium on planting more trees for the time being? The nuts are getting record prices, and the Chinese want all we can send. I suppose you want to control stakes, too. Well, how about we stop 20% of our water going to alfalfa, often sold to China as cattle feed? Can't they get by unless beef chow mein for a couple years over there? Look, Doug, if we don't sell them something they want, how can we expect them to keep stocking our Walmarts with the kind of tchotchkes we want? Where will we get those cheap little cocktail umbrellas that unfold like real umbrellas? Or those back scratchers shaped like little arms? Or where will we get our yo-yos, flip-flops, and those little chihuahua bobbleheads for our cars? Answer me that. Well, have the Chinese taken the melamine out of the cat food? Well, they tell me they did. Look, I'm not going to touch agriculture, and that's that. The water goes for things like walnuts. So, cut back, and America faces a baklava shortage. I'm moving forward with gestures, Chuck. Gestures. Brown lawns and dirty cars. That's what I want to see. I'm at Stuart Resnick's in Beverly Hills now, working on these very issues. Uh, how are Mr. Resnick's 120,000 acres of pistachios? They're fine. Stuart promises to take shorter showers, and we're here to turn off the sprinklers that irrigate his putty green. Well, I, I, I guess that'll balance things out. You're hinting that campaign contributions direct policy. It's not true. Look, some people are entitled to more water than others, that's all. They always have been, Doug. I didn't invent the 1%. I just work with them. Mm. I'm committed to leading us through this thing with any gestures and photo ops that might be required. Yeah, stuff like restricting glasses of water in restaurants unless you're unless asked. Not only will you have to ask for a drink, but I'm going to see to it that we limit all Dixie cups sold in California to six ounces, tops. And big gulps are going to be restricted to medium gulps. If you want to make lemonade, use Perrier. Well, what if people don't want fizzy lemonade? Well, too bad. They can sit around until it goes flat. Well, what about 20% of our water going to alfalfa? Speaking of greens, you know, if we substitute lettuce, which is 97% water, with cabbage, duck, which has more solids, we might move things the right way. Ever eat a taco made with cabbage? Yes, I have. They're very tasty, aren't they? That's a win-win. No, um, yeah. And effective immediately, all taffy sold will have to be saltwater taffy. State government cafeterias are going to switch to Fiji water, and state bathrooms will have to switch to waterless hand cleaner. Well, how many acre-feet of water do you reckon you can save with waterless hand cleaner? The Catholic Archdiocese tells me that they are limiting use of holy water. <laughs> holy mackerel. So uh, you're going to keep pushing these twin tunnels, eh? I am, along with my Tahoe tunnels. Lake Tahoe is our deepest lake. Do you know that? You can cover the state three feet deep, and it's water. 
I'm not saying we try that, by the way. Well, I'm glad to hear it. But put tunnels below Fanny Bridge, and we can divert the Truckee, lower the lake just 40 feet or so, and we'd have enough water to keep building houses in Moreno Valley and elsewhere in the Mojave for at least two years. You complain about Resnick's pistachios, but he promises not to take long showers anymore, <laughs> and his belly won't be washed till 2017, he says. I want opinion leaders to do a reset, even low-level clowns like you. That's very kind, Governor. Let's reevaluate film titles to chart a new course, too. That dumb film, Waterworld, was going to celebrate its 20th anniversary this year. I put the kibosh on that. So you want to limit movies with water in the title? Yes, absolutely. It, it's bad publicity, Doug. You ever notice the more you think about water, the thirstier you get? <laughs> so limit like water for chocolate. I'd say adios, yeah. Lake Placid. Put it on ice. Yeah. A river runs through it. Not anymore. We need a new mindset, Doug. Seriously? Yes, and, and music too, by the way. Uh, why should an audience endure bridge over troubled water in a time of water troubles? Well, how about Splish Splash? C could we change the lyrics sure. instead of saying, I was taking a bath along about Saturday night, so the guy says he's taking a low-flow shower instead? Well, I would hope so. That has a nice ring to it. Cut out the songs that send the wrong message in our current time of drought, that's all. Blue Bayou? It has to go, along with Born on a Bayou, too. So, so no bayous. No bayous. And no rivers. No Moon River, no Green River, and for that matter, no islands in the stream. I hate that song anyway. <laughs> How about smoke on the water? How about smoking in the boys' room instead? Doesn't that make more sense? Not the smoking necessarily, but we can install low-flow toilets in all those boys' rooms and help things along. Oh, my. Old Man River? Retired. Down by the river. Go somewhere else. How about Dirty Water by the Standells? Well, dirty water or wastewater, if you will, yeah, that is something to recycle. It's a positive in my way of thinking, so I'll keep that one. What about that classic cool water? Each day I face the barren waste without the taste of water. I can think of nothing more demoralizing. That one's got to go. Yeah. Let's talk numbers, Governor. A six-ounce can of almonds is equal to 200 gallons of water. So you got to turn down 18 glasses to equal one gallon. So, the water in one can of nuts represents customers not drinking, in a restaurant, a glass of water 3,600 times. Which they should do. You got a problem with that? Oh, my. Let's get proactive, Doug. Report your neighbors if they water on the wrong day. If their lawn stays green, call the local water police. Believe me, they'll thank us later. <laughs> oh, I hope so. So, then you can ship off what's left in the reservoirs to dudes using industrial-sized sprinklers in 104-degree valley heat, with no conservation going on. Look, we supply 95% of the nation's kiwi fruit and 90% of the artichokes. So again, if agriculture cuts back, we face a shortage of smoothies and artichoke dip. I gotta go. Remember, turn off the water while shaving. If everyone does that... Yeah, then mobile oil can keep fracking our shale using drinkable water. You know, you need to shut up more often. Like the next time you think about calling me. Well, that was California Governor Jerry Brown. He wants all of us to save water Unless you're a corporate farming operation with 100,000 acres of orchard in the desert, in that case, you don't have to save. You don't even have to slow down in planting more trees. Uh, does that make sense? Well, we don't think so either.